You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. What's going on guys? Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Roundtable Podcast brought to you guys by the Pulse Podcasting Network and me, your host Matt Bruning. You can follow me on Twitter at SportsFanaticMB. Today we are almost done wrapping up our Divisional Breakdown Series. We've got the AFC East today. We've got special guest coming on from the Bills Guys Podcast. You can find them at the Bills Guys on Twitter as well. And of course Dennis Bennett at Culture underscore Coach will be joining me as well. But as always, these episodes are brought to you guys by have you been searching for the best ticket deals around? Well, look no further. With TickFlix, the price you see is the price you pay. And TickFlix just happens to have over $6 billion in ticket inventory just waiting for you. They absolutely mean it when they say every ticket, every venue, everywhere. And you can save even more with promo code PULSE in all caps to save you 5% off your total purchase. Just go to TickFlix.com and click the search bar. Search events based on your geographic location, pick the show you want, and bam, it's showtime. Sporting events, Broadway shows, concerts, and more with TickFlix.com. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for the email newsletter so you can stay up to date on the latest news and savings with TickFlix. That's TickFlix.com. T-I-X-D-L-I-T-Z.com. Every ticket, every venue, everywhere. Make sure when you guys check out the website to get any kind of tickets that you want, whether it's for concerts, sporting events, you want to go somewhere like Comic-Con, use our promo code PULSE, that is capital P-U-L-S-E, capital PULSE, to get 5% off all of your tickets. Guys, it's a really great site. I hope you guys have find some time to check it out today uh, to get your guys' MLBs about to start up and NBA wrapping up right now. Get your guys' tickets cheap on us. Now let's bring in Dennis and Steve to talk about the AFC East. All right, so since we are about to, Steve's got a got a heart out here. He he's got uh, personal stuff he's got to take care of, as as we all have have lives outside of this. And we tend to, me and Dennis tend to talk a little bit longer than we should sometimes. So we apologize about that, Steve. Uh, no, we, I love it, man. We want to get uh, your thoughts on the Bills because the Bills are your team. You guys obviously, as we touched on at the beginning, do a podcast about the Buffalo Bills. So this is the team that you obviously bring a ton of knowledge on. So we really want to get your thoughts on them. Um, and I want to start with the coach. 
coaching changes first. So they brought in Ken Dorsey as the quarterbacks coach and Bobby Johnson as the O line coach. Uh, your your thoughts on that? Do you really, how much do you think this is going to help the offense bringing those two guys in? I think the Bills really wanted Sam Darnold last year and they didn't get him. So they went to Plan B and they they got Josh Allen. And once they got Josh Allen into town, they realized what Josh Allen is. And Josh Allen is never going to be a Tom Brady type who's going to dink and dunk you down the field. He is a, you're going to have your three and outs with Josh Allen, but he is going to bring some big playability. And this offseason, the Bills have really invested and and bought into what Josh Allen is. And I'm super excited about Josh Allen's fantasy value going forward. The first addition they made was to the coaching staff was Ken Dorsey. And what Ken Dorsey brings is Ken Dorsey worked every single day with Cam Newton especially in the year he won the MVP and had 45 touchdowns. So that's first and foremost is, is Ken Dorsey knew the ins and outs of what made Cam Newton an MVP quarterback. And he brings that to, uh, he brings that to the table, not to mention they have a lot better quarterback room now with Matt Barkley and Derek Anderson than they did with AJ McCarron and Nathan Peterman. The second, I think this is a very underrated hire from the bills this year is Brian Dable's a new England guy. He came from new England. I really thought that um, the, the Indianapolis offensive line coach who just got fired by Frank Reich, he came from New England. I cannot even begin to pronounce his name. It's it's Dom something. And Bobby Johnson was his assistant in Indianapolis last year. So he knows, I think, what Brian Dable wants from an offensive line. So they went out and they invested a ton in free agency in the offensive line. We'll talk about that in a second. And what Indianapolis did last year was they created a sort of a um, – they called it a, a – a cult of competition, a cauldron of competition. And they just brought in like 10 offensive linemen. They said, go duke it out. We're going to put our best five out there. So what the Buffalo Bills are going to do is Bobby Johnson is going to come in. He's going to take all these guys the Bills have signed. They're going to get the best five. They're going to protect Josh Allen. They're going to spread the ball out with guys like Coles Beasley, Brown, who they just added, uh, Foster and Jones. And they're going to let Josh Allen make plays. So I'm super excited about the coaching staff changes because I think they're finally invested in what Josh Allen is. Yeah, so no joke, uh, real quick before I get Dennis's opinion, if he has any on there. The fact that you brought up Cam Newton is, and uh, I can't even begin to say, I was literally thinking about that last night as I was looking over the show sheet and everything, and I was like, you know, that's who I compare him to. Uh, Dennis, Dennis will be able to tell you, I actually like Josh Allen coming out of the class last year. I had him above Josh Rosen. I thought he was the third best quarterback in this class. Based on his physical talents, he looks, and he has a, he can gun the ball. I swear, I feel like if he was – I know he did the thing where he was like kneeling and threw it 70 yards or something like that. He's got an amazing arm. He's got great legs. Obviously, he can extend the plays out of the pocket. The only thing he struggles with is inaccuracy, and that's who I was going to compare him to was Cam Newton. If they can somehow kind of rein him in a little bit like Ken Dorsey and North Turner did just a couple years ago, I think Josh Allen's going to be a stud. And, I mean, we saw it fantasy-wise with his legs, what he did. If he can just get the throwing motion and everything down and be a little bit more accurate, I think he's going to be a, a great quarterback. I was, I thought it was a great move for the Bills getting him. Um, and just kind of what you touched on there with some of the free agents and the way they look like they're building around Josh Allen, I thought was a great move as well. Uh, sorry to jump in on there, you De- uh, on there Dennis. Uh, do you have any thoughts on their coaching changes? You know, I, I think that the the challenge with Allen is always going to be accuracy. If you listen to any of the quarterback coaches and, and offensive coordinators and scouts, the one thing they always say is, you know, we can teach 
everything except accuracy. So for as good as Ken Dorsey was, he only had Cam Newton over 60% one year. And actually in 16, Cam had his lowest completion percentage in his NFL career with Ken Dorsey as his quarterback's coach. Uh, It's just that, that, but you have to take the good with the bad when it comes to that. Do I think that uh, Cam is a bad quarterback? No, I think he makes up for it in in other ways, and you just have to learn to live with that. You know, he's going to miss throws. So if you accept that with Josh Allen, I actually was down on Allen. I'm not an Allen fan, but I will say I'm I'm warming up to his game. Uh, I think the team is putting players around him that will suit what he does, which is throw the ball far. So if if you've got guys that can go get the ball, uh, he's going to buy time. He'll get out. He'll get away from pressure and he can get the ball down the field. Uh, You just need guys that are going to be able to adjust to it. Once he lets it go, if they put those guys on the team, then that'll give, you know, I think what they need, they need to bring in a couple big receivers They've got some. They've got some fast guys. They brought in John Brown. I think Foster's fast. Zay Jones is pretty fast, but none of them are, are big. So they need to get some. Devontae Parker would have been a great one there because he's got that great big wingspan. So you know somebody like that 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 is a big target. I don't know that Tyler Croft is going to fill that need at tight end, or Jason Kroom is going to fill that need at tight end. But if they can continue to compliment him with guys that are going to, you know, I, I have an eight-year-old son that plays football. And one of the things that we talk about is his job, uh, you know, the receiver's job is to make the quarterback look good. And I think Josh Allen needs receivers that buy into that. Not every ball is going to be perfect because, you know, there's pressure, you're on the move, uh, the defensive guys are getting played paid too. So they're trying to make plays. So the receivers have to make plays for him. I think they buy into him. I think the team supports him. Uh, they know exactly what they're getting with him, and they're going to try to build a team that matches his skill set. And so I, I, I think Allen is definitely on the upswing and in the right situation. I don't think his accuracy is going to improve dramatically, uh, but I think – having that expectation is going to set you up for failure. You're going to have to learn to live with that 56, 58, 60, 62% accuracy. You're not going to get a 68, 70% accuracy from Josh Allen. And that's okay. Yeah. I I mean, I I totally agree with you, especially on the big receiver part. Uh, I know they're bringing in Jay Sternberger from Texas A&M. I, I think the bills are going to go heavy on defense in the draft. And I think that's why they patched a lot of holes on offense, because I think, in his heart of hearts, Sean McDermott's a defensive guy, and he's going to go pretty heavy on the defensive side of the ball in the draft. So maybe in the second or third round, they add a guy like Jay Sternberger, Irv Smith, who can be a bigger body over the middle as sort of a guy who can split out but also play tight end and give you that versatility. They also got a guy pretty deep on the wide receiver depth chart uh, named Duke Williams. who is I love that who they, guy. Who they signed from the CFL. And if you watch his highlight clips, he's the definition of a go-up-and-get-it receiver. He had a god-awful combine. He got kicked out of Auburn, but he was a five-star recruit coming out. And who knows, maybe he has gotten his body right, and maybe he has gotten his mind right up in Canada. And he can be a guy who can really sneak up and and be a productive player for the Bills. Um, And on fantasy news, like 
I would buy Josh Allen just for this fact. I mean, close your eyes and picture this. John Brown and Robert Foster split out wide. Zay Jones and Cole Beasley in the slot. Four receiver set. Josh Allen drops back to pass. Those four guys run down the field. If you drop your linebacker, Josh Allen is just going to wait, 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 and then run the ball 30 yards right down the middle of the field. He's going to be he's going to be eaten on the ground if they don't leave a guy in to spy, and if they leave a guy in to spy, he's going to hit Cole Beasley or he's going to hit Robert Foster or John Brown deep. So I'm really looking forward to when the Bills have an opportunity to spread the ball out with those four receivers because it's really going to open up everything, whether it's a deep ball, big play, or Josh Allen with his legs. Yeah, what, uh, what you just touched on, actually, with Sean McDermott is something I wanted to jump onto real quick before we talk about their draft stuff. Um, he is a very defensive-minded coach. I thought that he did a great job coaching that defense last year. Once I don't remember who you guys had as your defensive coordinator, uh, but once they let him go and he took over the defense, the defense like completely turned around and got back to what they were a couple of years ago when they made that playoff run. Um, do, your, do you think that if they do draft a couple defensive guys and everything, that McDermott, will he stay on as a defensive coordinator? And uh, do you think that he'll be able to coach this team's defense back up again like he did last year? Uh, I mean, Sean McDermott's got his systems, and I, I've i always been a bigger fan of the 4-3 than I have the 3-4, so I really like – I mean, Jim Schwartz did an incredible job here um, back when he had Doug Marone. He carried Doug Marone and really made Doug Marone look good. I'm not a big Doug Marone fan. Then Rex Ryan came in with Dennis Thurman and blew it up and tried to turn us into a 3-4 and just completely destroyed the culture of the locker room and the defense. Leslie Frazier's the defensive coordinator. He's had his play call duties um, taken away from him a couple of times now from Sean McDermott, especially early in the year when we struggled. Um, right now, the biggest need for the Bills on defense is they lost Kyle Williams, and they're going to need a three technique. They're going to need depth at a lot of positions. Their secondary is incredible. They need depth there, though. Their linebackers, their starting three linebackers, and Edmonds, Milano, and Alexander are incredible, but there's absolutely no one behind them. And their defensive line, they, they can get by with Harrison Phillips and Star Lodalele and Jordan Phillips in the inside. And they can get away with Trent Murphy and Jerry Hughes and Shaq Lawson on the outside at the edge. But there are no like elite playmakers on, on the front four of the Buffalo Bills defense outside of Jerry Hughes. So they need to add some edge rushers. They need to add a three technique. And they need to add depth to that defense or it's going to get real thin real quick. One or two injuries and that entire defense could collapse. Well, I mean, I guess that's a good thing because going into this draft, they have 10 picks, three comp picks in the 4th, the 5th, and the 7th rounds. And this is a very heavy defensive class. So, obviously, they're picking at 9, so they're going to have a chance to get one of these defensive studs. Again, you being a Bills fan, who is the one player there at 9 that you hope that you guys can get? And then would you just come? then kind of what uh would you attack defense in the entire draft because there's actually one other position i think you guys should attack but i want to get your opinion first before i give you mine to me the number nine overall pick screams three technique i think that ed oliver might be there i would consider giving up some capital to trade up if quentin williams maybe drops a little bit um i would uh, i would be absolutely ecstatic if we came away with quentin williams um there's a guy Buffalo has scouted Notre Dame more than any any team that they've scouted in college this year. I, f- I follow a couple of Bills guys who who track where the scouts are, and they scouted Notre Dame a lot. It would not surprise me if the Bills were going to draft somebody at nine that nobody expects, and it's a guy that that Dennis mentioned earlier, Dennis uh, Jerry Tillery um, from Notre Dame. So Ed Oliver, Jerry Tillery, um, Christian Wilkins. Uh, all those three techniques fit what Sean McDermott wants to do. If one of those edges drops, 
maybe take one of the edges like a Montez Sweat. Um, I'm thinking that front seven or, you know, defensive line is going to be where they go with nine. And in the second round, I would target a tight end. And it looks like they're scouting a lot of second round corners. The the guy from Penn State and uh, Rocky Sin. So the Bills could really, that's what they did in free agency is they went out and they signed B-list players at almost every position on offense. And they've even now added some more players on defense like Maurice Alexander and Kevin Johnson. The Bills can literally do anything they want in this draft because none of their holes right now can't be patched by going out and signing a veteran free agent off the street to a one-year deal. The Bills literally can take the best player available at every position. And that's what's so great about their free agency classes. That's what they did. They put themselves in a position to take best player available at every pick. And I don't think they're going to use all 10. I think that Brandon Bean likes to work his way up and down the board. They'll probably end up this, this draft with six picks probably. And they'll probably end up getting another second or third rounder by making some moves. I agree. I, I think that aiming for that interior defensive line with the talent that's going to be on the board or even the defensive end, you know, if Cleveland Farrell drops to them at nine for some strange reason, you know, that would be quite a get to put on the opposite end of uh, Hughes there. Ed Oliver, while seeming like he's kind of a head case, Guy certainly has some talent and can be very disruptive from the defensive tackle position. Uh, I think he's a little bit lighter than we thought, but, you know, he's uh, he's definitely a dynamic playmaker. Yeah, Brandon Bean, the GM of the Bills, he values prototypes. So that's the one thing that has me questioning, um, you know, Ed Oliver, is he doesn't really look like a defensive tackle. I know at the combine he didn't work out. They asked him to work out at inside linebacker. I mean, that's how small that this guy can get. So, to me, that's my one misgiving. But Brandon Bean loves pressure. He loves guys who can get to the quarterback, whether it be on the edge or from the interior. Um, so, it wouldn't surprise me, but I also question whether Ed Oliver would. But they are working him out. Would truly be the pick at nine. You know, Rashawn Gary would be a nice fit. Oh, he would be ideal. You could play if him If you're looking at outside. prototypes, 6'5", yeah. 285. Yeah, he's got that Julius Pepper size, who uh, Sean McDermott yeah. worked with in Carolina. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think um, Oliver is that bad of a player. I know he gets a lot of comps to Aaron Donald. I don't think he's anything close to what Aaron Donald is, but uh, he has looked good on tape. I don't, wouldn't say he's necessarily a head case. I think a lot of it was just uh, the injuries that he suffered last year at Houston, and then dealing with with Major Applewhite, and the, he, they just seem to butt heads a lot, and I think that's kind of where a lot of the drama came from, but I wouldn't put a lot of that on Ed Oliver. He, he seems to kind of to have his head on straight. I think a lot of it was just due to the fact he did not want to get injured again and, and lose any more draft stock than he kind of already lost last year. Uh, but I, I agree. I think Rashawn Gary would be would be a prime great fit for them in, in Sean McDermott's offense there. Um, love the Jay Sternberger call real quick that you talked about. Uh, he's one of the tight ends that I'm very high on in this draft. I think he's going to be very good. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised, uh, and I I think that the Buffalo Bills should try and attack running back as well in this draft. I don't think Shady has much left. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they wait till next year because next year I think is going to be extremely heavy and very good running backs. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if they take someone to kind of complement Shady uh, in this draft with a lot of the receiving backs that are in there and smaller guys that might be a good change of pace guy would be something I would be interested to see if the Bills do because I think that could be a good position for them at least fantasy-wise uh, moving forward. Yeah, you don't think Grandpa Frank is the compliment they need? No, not at all. I, I think. I, go ahead, Steve. Sorry, I uh, there's one running back that I'm really keeping my eye on in the third, fourth round range, 
Brian Dable coached him at Alabama, and that's Damian Harris because he's the guy who could come in as the third guy behind Frank Gore and behind LaShawn McCoy. And I think Damian Harris's value at the end of the day is going to be as a running back number two, a guy who can catch, a guy who can run a little bit. I don't think he'll ever be, you know, your lead back. I mean, but he's got the ability to be a three-down back. So to me, Brian Dable coached him. I think Damian Harris in the middle rounds is someone, obviously Josh Jacobs as well, but I think Josh Jacobs is going to go a little higher than people think, yeah. probably somewhere in the second round. Um, so Damian Harris was is the one guy that I'm really zoned in on as because as, I agree with you. I think the Bills need to draft a running back. I just don't think they need to draft one high because I don't think the value is there in this draft. But to me, none of these running backs are first-round running backs, and I, I would even, like, I would, I would, question taking one in the second round as well even a guy like miles sanders who's moving up the board yeah i mean I that's like, matt's boy there. yeah i love miles sanders man you take miles sanders and Lashawn mccoy will be firmly planted on the bench if miles sanders ends up <laughs> in buffalo uh no i like the damian harris call i honestly think if they get damian harris frank gore is is going to be nothing but maybe a goal line back here and there uh harris i think as you as eloquently pointed he can do it all i think that he'll be really good there and a good compliment to shady's i I just uh, Shady looked good last year, but I really think he's kind of come to the end of his rope, and I think they need to go and attack that. But like I said, um, I don't know how much you've looked at the 2020 draft. There is going to be studs coming out in that 2020 draft. So regardless of what Buffalo does this year, I, I think that they have a better chance of finishing closer to 500 and possibly even competing for one of those wild card spots. Even falling that far back into the uh, the AFC, I think they'll be able to get a good running back in 2020, so they might wait a year. But it's just I wanted to get your thought on that. Um, so before you get out of here, I want to get your dynasty riser and fallers on this roster because, uh, again, you are the Bills guy, so I value your opinion much more than mine and Dennis's. So go ahead and give us your dynasty riser and follower for this roster. The riser for, for, for starters, I mean, Josh Allen is, is obviously the riser. You, and to me, you've got to buy Josh Allen because he had so much value in fantasy, both as a runner and as a thrower. He's a big play guy. And the only issue with him is going to be the inaccuracy, the interceptions. He's, he's going to be a big play guy. But I think he will develop, and I think he's got the right team, the right coaching staff, the right people developing him. So I think Josh Allen will develop. I really do. I re- John Brown and Cole Beasley are essentially in on one-year deals that can turn into three-year deals. I would, short-term, I would buy Cole Beasley because I think Cole Beasley is that guy who's just going to get open a ton. And he's that kind of guy who can make those at-your-knees-over-your-head type of catches that Josh Allen might throw. So it's like a one-year buy like Cole Beasley. To me, the guy that I really like and he came on last year is Robert Foster. He, he reminds me a lot of, of a guy they signed, John Brown. He, he's going to be a deep threat. He started to work over the middle uh, as the year progressed, too. So he's a guy that, like I said, Brown and Beasley are there to add you know, competition. They're there to add some veteran leaderships, guys who you know, know what they're doing. But I think when all is said and done, long term, Robert Foster is going to be the one that sticks on this roster. And he really made a connection with Josh Allen. Do you have a dynasty faller? Uh, Zay Jones. I love Zay. And his senior bowl a couple of years ago, I was completely enamored. And when the Bills traded up and got him, I was so excited. And he just, he's been a shell of, of what he was in college. He's not confident. He's, he's dropping passes. Um, I want him to be successful. I want, I like, I want him to do well, but it's it just not clicking for him. And, uh, just so many, 
he has so many targets and so few catches, and it's just not a good sign for a wide receiver. Uh, and I also got LaShawn McCoy, but there's a caveat here. Frank Gore was brought in for a reason. Frank Gore is, is going to be the LaShawn McCoy whisperer. He's going to be with him at the gym. He's going to be in his ear. He's going to be keeping him pumped up. I really do believe the Bills brought in Frank Gore because Frank Gore and LaShawn McCoy are buddies, and they're going to push each other. And the Bills, their offensive line last year was honestly one of the worst offensive lines I've ever witnessed in my 28 years of living. And I think if you really look back at it, there were no holes for anybody on that uh, on that on that offense, and there really was no passing game until the second half of the season. We were throwing out Nathan Peterman and Derek Anderson. I think Lashawn McCoy will have a comeback year, but like you said, that 2020 class is deep, and he's going to get cut, and he's probably not going to be a Buffalo Bill in, in in 2020. So he's a faller in terms of his career is coming to an end, and I think Zay Jones is a faller as well. All right. Well, Steve, thank you so much for joining us today and talking about the the three top teams. Obviously, we know you got to go. Just real quick, tell everybody where they can find you, your podcast that you do for the Pulse Podcast Network, so we can get these people subscribing and getting all their Bills news. Yeah, you know, um, on Twitter, we're at the Bills guys, uh, me and my co-host Dave. What's what's really unique about our podcast is neither of us live in Buffalo. I, I moved to Phoenix about three years ago. And Dave lives in North Carolina. And, and what, what we like to do with our podcast is just we really miss our hometown and we want to stay connected with, with you know, the, the Buffalo community and the Bills community. And, and there's, there's no fan base like the Bills Mafia, really. Uh, just the way that they, um, you know, communicate on Twitter and stuff. So we, we're a show where we like to communicate on Twitter and have conversations with our fans. And, you know, that's, that's who we are. We're just... We're just two guys who miss our hometown, who who are watching from afar and, and just trying to stay invested. So it's really a cathartic experience for both of us. Well, that is awesome. Definitely check them out. You guys are the Bills, uh, the Bills guys as well uh, on any of their, your podcasting uh, uh, outlets. Yeah, we're on, we're on all the outlets. We're at the Bills guys, uh, you know, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, Spotify, you know, we we go through Anchor, so they do a great job of just getting us out into all the outlets. Our, our biggest views come from, from iTunes and Spotify right now, though. All right. Well, everybody, make sure to check them out. Obviously, if uh, you guys, I know you follow me and Dennis on Twitter, we will tweet uh, out them. We'll have them on the the tweets with us when we put these episodes out. So definitely check out their Twitter. Give them a follow. Subscribe to their podcast, guys. And uh, we appreciate you have, having you on, Steve. Uh, thank you again. Have a great weekend. Yeah, no, thank you guys Thanks, so much. It was, it was awesome. I, lo- I love this conversation. I always love to, to talk sports with people who know what they're talking about. <laughs> hey, what's going on, everybody? This is 8-Bit Ray from the Gorilla Brain Podcast, part of the Pulse Podcast Network. Did you know that you could be using this spot to advertise your company or business? Well, I've done the research, and PodcastInsights.com report that podcast listeners are loyal, affluent, and mostly college-educated but most importantly are five times more likely to interact with the ad they hear on their favorite podcast than an ad from any other medium. If you would like to advertise your company or brand with our network, it's simple. All you have to do is send an email to marketing at pulsepodcastnetwork.com. I'll say it one more time, marketing at pulsepodcastnetwork.com. And we hope to hear from you soon. All right, so Dennis, since uh, we were trying to get Steve's in, uh, real quick there so he could get out of here, do you have any dynasty risers or follows on the Bills? You know, I like I like Josh Allen. Um, 
You know, I've been notoriously cold on Allen. I think, uh, you know, he, he has the one thing that you just can't teach, and that's inaccuracy. Uh, scouts talk a, a lot about that. But the team is trying to build around him, and so I think with his rushing ability, uh, escapability, it gives him a high floor. Um, so I think he's going to going to be able to do some things. It'll be interesting to see what the Bills do at tight end. Right now they've got uh, Jason Kroom sitting atop the tight end depth chart, and they signed Tyler Croft. So with the the Bills not having any big receivers, really, uh, well, Duke Williams, is, uh, as Stephen mentioned, uh, but having a couple big guys in there like Kroom and, and Croft, if he can stay healthy, uh, might give Allen some opportunity and might allow, if one of those guys can take that job uh, at tight end, they could put up some, some solid numbers at, at the tight end position. Yeah, now I'm right there with both of you. I think Robert Foster and uh, Josh Allen are the guys here. Um, you guys have both kind of given all the points. There's really no point going over them, but those are the two guys that if I had to choose uh, the Rodgers on this roster, who i take. Uh, Dynasty Faller, I'm right there with Steve. For me, it's LaShawn McCoy. I already touched on I think they should go running back in this draft. Uh, I do agree with him. The offensive line was bad last year, and that might be why Shady didn't have that much room, but even uh, even in the games where they were playing inferior defenses, Shady just did not look the same as he has the past couple of years. Uh, I think he's really due to just continue to decline. Uh, so for me, if you have him, move him now because he, he's my dynasty faller. Uh, do you have any dynasty fallers? Uh, I, I think Robert Foster. I think Foster's production was a function of uh, lack of competition. Uh, I, I'm a Zay Jones fan, and I think he is going to continue to get better. Uh, bringing in Duke Williams is going to provide uh, more competition. Cole Beasley is going to provide more competition. And uh, I, I just don't think Foster, on a per-game basis, will do what he did last year. Will he have an okay season? I think so, but I don't think I want him as one of my top three, maybe even top four wide receivers. Uh, I just don't think he's going to be able to produce uh, at any consistent level. Um, you know, McCoy is sort of an enigma. He still shows, you know, some burst and escapability. So, you you know, in your head, there in my head, I'm like, how much of it was the offensive line? You know, they brought in three or four, Mitch Morris, uh, Ty Nishushki, or whatever it is, and uh, LaAdrian Waddle. They'll probably draft an offensive lineman or two. So they're they're working on rebuilding that offensive line. If they do that, you know, I could see McCoy bouncing back after last year. Frank Gore is gonna play a role but it's gonna definitely be complimentary and if they bring in a rookie you know it's it's still i think gonna be 65 percent LaShawn mccoy so if he uh you know this will be the year that we get to see um is he losing his skills because he's you know taking too many hits and he's getting up there or was it a function of the the line in front of him all right, so moving on to the New York Jets. They finished 4-12 and last year. Obviously, they got their franchise quarterback in Sam Darnold, who looked very bad at times, and then really toward the end of the season after his benching, 
really kind of turned around and actually looked surprisingly good. Had a couple of really good games there at the end, especially with Robbie Anderson and Chris Herndon, who I think are risers up on this roster as well with Sam Darnold. The big question, obviously, is Adam Gase. He's he's kind of a professed quarterback guru. They brought him in as the head coach. Didn't seem to be able to turn around Ryan Tannehill now. I think Sam Darnold uh, is more gifted than Ryan Tannehill. But they also brought in Greg Williams, who I loved at Cleveland, but does have a little bit of a... Uh, Headbutting mentality, so to say, uh, coming in to run a defense that he's not very, not been very good at running in three, four defenses, which the New York Jets are currently running. Uh, I kind of want to get before we talk about Sam Darnold, your thoughts on bringing in Gase and Williams to kind of run the offense and the defense. You know, Gase has had some success, and for all of the talk about uh, you know Miami's underperformance last year. They didn't get blown out in any games. They, the team was competitive. It's going to come down to how well Greg Williams adapts his offensive scheme to the talent that's on the Jets currently. If Williams can do that and, and keep them focused, you know the players that play for Williams play hard for Williams. But he does have a, an off-putting personality at times. You know, he, he's an abrasive person. Uh, he's a smart ass, and he's going to push your buttons. I, I think part of his mentality is uh, if, I, if I need you to play angry, the easiest way for me to do that is to make you mad. And I think that's kind of how Williams approaches his coaching. Gase, it, you know, it's going to be a, a different story. It, it's easy to be a quarterback whisperer when you have talented quarterbacks. So... You know, when I look at it and I'd say, well, he had Peyton Manning and then he had Jay Cutler, who for all of his flaws was a talented quarterback. Uh, you know, he gets to Miami with Tannehill and Osweiler, who are not talented quarterbacks. So if you're a true quarterback whisperer, I think you get production out of virtually any quarterback. So I don't know if it's necessarily a earned reputation for Gase as a quarterback whisperer. So it, it'll be interesting to see. And then the other side of things there is they have Le'Veon Bell now. So that can solve an awful lot of your quarterback issues uh, by having, you know, a top three or top four running back with the young quarterback. I, I, I think I think Gase is going to sort of get that quarterback whisperer reputation uh, restored a little bit after the uh, uh, because he's got Sam Darnold, who is a very talented quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I'm interested to see what what I'll start with Greg Williams actually. Um, I, like I've talked about, I loved him in Cleveland. I thought that he galvanized that team. Uh, I don't think that they necessarily would have. Uh, done what they did in the second half of that season with just Freddie Kitchens alone. He gets a lot of the credit based on what Baker and that offense did, but a lot of people will forget how good that defense actually was as well. And if you go back and look at what they were just two years ago, the defense was a complete mess. So what he was able to kind of do in a year I thought was um, – was was very good for the Browns, and I think that he can do that for the Jets. It'll be interesting to see 
what kind of players they also bring in. I mean, I'm really interested to see what he can do with the Jamal Adams. Uh, obviously, C.J. Mosley just signed there as well. Uh, they've always had a very good defense under Todd Bowles. I think they've always really kind of had a good defense, at least the past couple years, even when Rex Ryan was there. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what he does with them. For Gase, uh, I agree with you for the most part. I think that his offensive prowess has been kind of overrated. A lot of people want to talk about how good he was in Denver, and everybody kind of want to, wants to forget that he had Peyton Manning as his quarterback. Uh, the two years that everybody wants to talk about how good he was, including the year that Peyton Manning set the the record for most touchdowns that I believe Patrick Mahomes passed this year. Uh, but Peyton Manning was there for two years, had really two good years, obviously before he really fell off a cliff. But a lot of people want to give Adam Gase all the credit for that, and, and I would say people really need to give Peyton Manning some of that as well. Um, in Miami, though, I agree. They never really got blown out. The offense did look good at times, and now you're coming in with, obviously, much better weapons and wide receiver-wise, tight end-wise, and running back-wise now um, with the signing that they made this offseason. So I am interested to see what Adam Gase is able to do with this offense, if he's able to kind of get them going and get, I guess, kind of a return on value and what a lot of people think he can do. Obviously, a lot of that is going to come down to what he can do with Sam Darnold. Uh, so I really think this is his shot to prove that he is this this quarterback guru coach that everybody wants to label him as. With that being said, Sam Darnold, again, I just talked about, really good in the second half of the season there after his benching. Do you think that he continues to trend upwards now, especially with the new additions they've added to this offense? Oh, I, I certainly do. I think that uh, uh, having Le'Veon Bell to take the pressure off, whether it's being able to pick up the blitzer or being the outlet guy that gains 14 yards or whether it's rushing for, you know, 1,300 yards, uh, that's going to take pressure off of Darnold and allow him to continue to grow. The The big the bigger thing is going to be, is their line, offensive line going to be able to hold up? You know, they, they brought in, uh, did they bring in uh, Osamelli this year or was it last year? I believe it was last uh, year. So they've got some guys, but, you know, they're starting to get older. Uh, Beecham and, and uh, Brian Winters. So they're going to need to start to refurbish their offensive line to make sure that, uh, you know, we, we don't need Sam Darnold getting the David Carr treatment. Uh you know that's not good for anybody, but they've they've got you know a talented tight end in Herndon. They've got Inunua and Robbie Anderson, Jamison Crowder. They just brought in so th- there there are players there that can help make this offense go. Can uh, Williams' defense keep it close? Keep them in the game? Uh, they, they've that's going to be the real real answer. So if 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 Donald doesn't have to, you know, because what, he's just turning 21 years old. Yeah. So if he doesn't have to put the team on his shoulders and carry the team this year, uh, I expect him to make a nice, nice progress in his growth as a professional quarterback. And then, you know, by year three, maybe year four, you know, he could become one of the top tier quarterbacks. Yeah, and I agree with everything you just said there. I think he's he's due to 
continue progressing a little bit here and there, especially with the weapons they brought in around him. Again, Le'Veon Bell is huge. It's, it's going to help him out a lot to be able to give that someone give him someone that he can dump the ball off to. Obviously, a uh, much better running back than what they've had there, although we are both fans of Elijah McGuire. Uh, Le'Veon Bell is much better than him and obviously much better than Isaiah Crowell. So it'll be interesting to see what he can do from that part. Uh, they brought in Jamison Crowder as well as a nice slot wide receiver. Uh, so now, I mean, you've got him, Chris Herndon, and Le'Veon Bell, who could all be right there within five five to eight yards of the line of scrimmage that gives Sam Darnold just a ton of options to go to. Then you got Robbie Anderson on the outside, who, again, had a had a phenomenal second half of the season last year with Sam Darnold when he really got going. Uh, so I, I love the way that they've built this team kind of around uh, Darnold on the offense. I think it's he's got nowhere to go but up from here, really. Um, and I agree with you. I don't, I don't know if he takes a huge step forward this year, again, because they are implementing a whole new offense and everything with Adam Gase, uh, but I do think possibly two years, uh, a year removed, so 2020 I think is the season that you could really see Sam Darnold take a big step forward and kind of be the guy that a lot of people thought he might be coming out of the draft. Um, again, I already touched on C.J. Mosley. Uh, the only other really big signing, uh, and not really a big one, but Trevor Simeon will be now his backup in case something happens to Sam Darnold. We did see him struggle with injuries a little bit last year, uh, so that's something to be mindful of. Uh, their team needs this year uh, right now our edge rusher cornerback and offensive tackle they still have $34 million in cap space, so it'll be interesting to see if they attack any of those. There are still some decent cornerbacks on the market, uh, so I'll be interested to see if they go there, but chances are they're going to attack a lot of this stuff in the draft. They have... Um, they pick at three, and they have six draft picks this year. No second-round pick, but they do have two third-round picks, theirs and New Orleans. Your thoughts on what they do at three and then their kind of draft strategy uh, for you or the way you would attack the draft if you were the New York Jets this year? Well, if I'm the Jets, I make it known that, that the number three pick is for sale. I, I'd love to be able to drop back if I pick up a couple extra picks. Uh, and let somebody come up and get the quarterback they want. If not, if I if I stay there, uh, I take whatever uh, edge rusher falls to me. So you're looking at uh, you know Josh Allen. Uh, uh, who else is going to be there? Montez Sweat, Nick Bosa. You know, I think if all for some guys. crazy reason Nick Bosa falls all the way to three, to me that's a no brainer. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I could see somebody trading up with San Francisco. If Arizona goes Murray, somebody panicking, going up to two and and, uh, getting the quarterback that they want. So if that's the case and Nick Bosa falls to you at three, you know, that's a bargain. Uh, You can't can't beat that offer with a stick right there. Yeah. (laughs) Um, It's a, yeah. But then they have to start to address those other positions, you know, in the third round, you know, who's the offensive line? Who are the quarterbacks that are going to be available? And uh, so if you're looking, you know, potentially Michael Jordan could be there. Uh, this list has Bradbury in the third round. But I think after his athletic uh, showing at the combine and in the private workouts, I don't think Bradbury will be, a, be available in the third round. Possibly Daryl Williams at uh, Mississippi State might be there. Um, defensive back, you're looking at, you know, the likes of Jamel Dean, uh, quarter cornerback out of, where did he go? Auburn, possibly. I don't think they really need a safety, but Jonathan Abraham could be, Abram could be there. So 
uh, offensive line might be the way to go in the, in the third round. Um, there's definitely going to be some depth available. So they, they have, uh, they're in a good spot, especially you know, for them. It's if they don't get too greedy in trying to drop back out of three, uh, th- they could come away with, with the picks to impact. If they can get, you know, a late first, uh, a mid first and a second rounder, you know, and, and a sixth rounder or something like that. Uh, I haven't looked at the chart, so I don't know how that really adds up. But dropping back and getting some picks that they don't have, additional picks, that's where I would be aiming. Yeah, I'm right there with you on the trading back part. I think unless, as you just touched on, Nick Bosa falls due to three, which right now seems like a very real possibility with the, with all the talks on, on Murray going one and then the facts that the Giants might then try and trade up to make sure that they get a quarterback unless they don't go quarterback. I mean, there's so much smoke uh, being thrown out there about all these quarterbacks. We already talked about it with the Dolphins earlier at 13, possibly taking Drew Locke. I mean, <laughs> We have really have no idea because it seems like so many people are just not sold on these quarterbacks outside of Kyler Murray, which is a little bit crazy for me. Um, but we don't know how that's going to work out. So unless Nick Bosa falls here and possibly even Quinn and Williams, you know, I know Steve was talking about him for the Bills. I actually think he'd be a great fit for the Jets as well. Uh, but unless Nick Bosa falls to you at three, I wouldn't be surprised if they don't try and trade back just to try and recoup uh, a second-round pick and something else later because while they don't have a lot of needs, they do need a little bit more defensive depth, and I think that'd be a good call on their part to just try and trade back because even though Nick Bosa is an all-out stud um, and I think Quinn and Williams is right there with Bosa, you know, if you pass on, on Quinn and Williams, or even if you pass on Bosa, you're still going to get a very good player, depending on how far you drop back, and then you're also getting those extra picks to kind of help build your depth, so I think that's a good call on their part, and as you just touched on, something I think is a viable strategy for them, however, if Nick Bosa falls to you and you take him, nobody's going to fault you for that, because you're getting, I think, re- universally regarded as the best player in this draft at three is a steal, uh, so definitely if Nick Bosa falls, I would take him, take him my, my Buckeye bias aside, that's exactly what I would do. Um, but if Bosa doesn't fall, I would do everything I can to try and trade back. You know, fall somewhere, even if you fall all the way back to like 10 or 11, uh, even further than that, try and get a couple extra picks, a second pick, a fourth, or something like that. Uh, and that way you can just kind of continue to build your depth. All right, so Dynasty, Riser, and Faller time for the Jets. And this is going to be interesting because um, I feel like both of us are going to name uh, a lot of people for the Risers here. So I want to get yours first. Who do you have that you think is going to be a Dynasty Riser? I'm on Chris Herndon. I have been drafting Chris Herndon. I've been trading for Chris Herndon. Uh, I think he's quite a talented tight end. And as this offense continues to grow, I think he's going to carve out a very nice role. So I, I think Herndon is going to uh, move up. He's going to be in the top 10 tight end. Uh, and so I've been drafting him uh, as such. You know, Le'Veon Bell is going to go up because, well, you, you got to be able, if, you, if he plays, he's going to score more than zero. So, you know, I, I think that's, that's an easy one. So, you know, how about you? Who are your risers? Uh, I mean, obviously, I, I didn't really think about the Le'Veon Bell part, but you're technically right on that. You can't get any worse than what he did last year. Um, you know, I, I don't think Bell is going to be quite in that top six that everybody's saying that he is, but uh, I do think that Bell uh, still finishes in the top 12, obviously. Um, and I'm right there with you on Chris Herndon. You know uh, I'm a fan of his as well. We've talked about it earlier in the – I believe it was during the Nerd Herd draft. We were actually – 
podcasting when we were drafting, uh, and we were both talking about how we both wanted to take Chris Herndon uh, on the upcoming pick, so it was going to be interesting to see who took him first, and you did. Uh, but I, I, I like what he showed last year again with the uh, – Really, nobody else outside of Robbie Anderson doing much for that offense. Obviously, Elijah McGuire came on late, but Chris Herndon really stepped up, which was surprising uh, to me. I believe I had him only ranked at like 8 or 9 in the tight end class last year. Like I wasn't high on him. I thought he might do something like years down the road. I did not expect anything out of ex- like what he did last year. I think he took a huge step Yeah, you forward. thought he would have that typical tight end development cycle. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, He was someone I, I know, I think you even talked about, we both liked him, but it wasn't any, I never expected it except for, I thought he would do something two, three years down the road. So to see what he did last year was, was amazing. Again, tight end is, is just a bad bad position for fantasy really only have those few studs and and we saw him i think take that step last year i think he'll he has a chance to jump up into the top five six seven of tight end this year especially if sam darnold continues to target him the way that he did last year um and i really kind of like jameson crowder as well um obviously the biggest caveat for him is he's got to stay healthy um, but i think he's going to be the benefit of teams paying more attention to Le'Veon bell and then chris herndon because of what we saw last year i think they're going to try and cover those two which is going to leave Crowder uh, open there in the middle of the field. And we've seen Sam Darnold have no issue checking the ball down. Uh, so I think Jameson Crowder could benefit from having Herndon and Bell with him. Again, he has to stay healthy to kind of make that come to fruition there. But I, I like Crowder this year uh, as well with the Jets. Do you have any dynasty fallers? Well, I, I, I have two, and they both play the same position. My fallers are Le'Veon Bell and Elijah McGuire. And Le'Veon Bell, because I'm not comparing him to last year when he didn't play, but I'm comparing him to the years before. And I I agree with you. He's not going to be in that top six. I don't know if he'll be in the – I think the only thing that's going to keep him in the top 12 is his ability to catch the ball. He's going to a team that's not very good, that has a new offensive system, a second-year quarterback – no bona fide number one wide receiver. I mean, Robbie Anderson shows the skills, but he hasn't put it all together. So he's going he's gonna to have to – I just don't see any scenario where he, he puts up the numbers that he historically has. He's going to fall off from those pretty substantially. And then the reason that I put McGuire on that list, and McGuire was my darling. I think I had McGuire on five or six of my eight dynasty teams last year. I really expected a breakout out of him. I I like his ability. But now, with Le'Veon Bell there, he's nothing more than a handcuff. So whatever whatever potential he showed late last year, uh, it's all for naught. And so he's he's dropping way, way down. He's not gonna uh, i'm so sad <laughs> hey i'm right there with you mcguire almost helped me win a redraft league last year uh, he's someone uh, that i've required in a couple leagues as well um I, I really liked what he showed last year he showed i don't know necessarily that he could be a full three down back but he showed that he could be one of the top guys and then when you bring in a guy like Le'Veon bell that's just not going to happen we all know Le'Veon bell is going to get the ball the one thing i'll agree with you on on Le'Veon bell possibly being a faller We've never seen Adam Gase ever fully commit to one running back, and that worries me a little bit. I know uh, you can go back to Miami. You can even go back to Denver. They've never really com- 
really given one guy the ball the entire time that they've been, or he's been an offensive coordinator. So I'm interested to see how they do it, even if it's, you know, if it's an 80-20 split or something like that, Le'Veon Bell, I think is still going to be good because he'll get the receptions and everything. Uh, he's never really been that great of a runner. If you go back and look at all of his years in Pittsburgh, he ne- I don't think he ever even had a 1,000-yard rushing season. He's always in that seven to 900 range. But all of his work comes from his receiving. He's such a good receiver out of the backfield. And once he gets that ball, especially on screen passes, and he's able to make one or two guys miss, he, he's almost always taking it to the house. Uh, he's very good in that part of his game. And that is unfortunately why I think that's going to hurt Elijah McGuire because I think that's where he thrives as well. He's a decent runner, but he's also very good at the receiving part of the game. And when you bring in a guy like Le'Veon Bell, you're just going to take a lot of that away from him. Um, other than those guys, though, I don't really have a dynasty fall. I think all these guys are set to be primed um, to kind of take a step forward. Again, we'll see what Adam Gase can do. Uh, there is someone else I wanted to touch on really quick on the riser category. Um, that's a, someone I think a lot of people are overlooking in this offense. That's Quincy Nunwa. He was very good a couple years ago, um, or it may have been three years ago, before he got that neck injury. He sat out all that year and at, at times looked good last year. I think He's kind of that forgotten piece in this offense, and I actually like him. They extended him, I think it was last year, um, to like a three- or four-year deal. So he's someone I think could also take a step forward this year, uh, someone to stash or continue to stash on your dynasty rosters because he was a a fantasy darling just a couple years ago. He's someone I think could take a step forward now as well. With all the weapons that they're bringing in, he's he's the guy that's kind of getting forgotten. Yeah, I think if you apply the same mentality to New York that you apply to uh, Miami and that they're going to be playing from behind, then you know that means they're going to be playing catch-up. They're going to be throwing the ball. They're going to be trying to move it uh, down the field to score some points because they're behind. So I could definitely see a Nunoa popping up with a career year. Reflecting back, actually, Le'Veon Bell in, uh, has averaged uh, three seasons he's played, four seasons he's played over 12 games has averaged uh, almost 1,200 yards a season. Oh, okay. Well, I'm an idiot then. Never mind. I must have been looking at the wrong thing. Maybe I was looking at his yeah. receiving yards. Cause I now, it's work. easy to get lost when he's catching 75, 83, 85 passes. It's easy It's easy to get wrapped up in the, those numbers. So, Jeez, I'm an idiot. Well, all right. Before we close it out, we'll do the same thing we always do. Your early predictions on how you think this division shakes out in 2019. I, I still think that... Uh, well, I was going to say, I still think that New England is the only playoff team uh, in the division. But it's not out of the realm of possibility that, that Buffalo makes a push for a wild card spot. I, I think Buffalo is definitely a team that's on the upswing. Uh, but I, I do think that uh, New England reigns over the NFC East uh, one more year. Buffalo will be second, and then uh, the Jets will be third, Miami fourth. As much as I, I, I like the idea that Fitzpatrick is going to accidentally win more games uh, than we expect, I, I do think that uh, Miami is going to be a hot mess this year. Uh, they're looking to the future. They're, they're doing a full breakdown, and they're going to tear it down to the studs to rebuild it. And so I don't think they're going to really win that many games. So I'm going to put it New England, Buffalo, uh the Jets in Miami. 
Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, w- I was kind of torn between New York and Buffalo because I think both could actually have very good years this year. I think the reason I give Buffalo the edge is because they already have that consistency in place. And something Steve was talking about earlier uh, was the fact that they've really done a good job of plugging a lot of their holes through free agency. So now they can do something that I think the Patriots do a lot when it comes to drafts and just kind of take best player available. They come in this draft, they can take whomever they want, best player available, continue to just improve their roster. And uh, I know I touched on it then, you just touched on it. I actually think they have a chance to compete for a wild card spot, which is, you know, I don't want to say crazy because they were just in the playoffs a couple years ago with Tyrod Taylor. Um, but it's it's incredible to think about because a lot of people last year were talking about how loaded the NFC is. And the more we start looking at the AFC, I think... The AFC is not going to be easy to get through either this year. I think you've got a lot of teams. In, I, I would say you've got at least two teams um, in every division now that are competing for the top of the division and a wild card spot. So it should make next year's AFC very interesting as well. So I'm going Pats, Bills, Jets, and Dolphins really far down there. I, I agree with you. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick could win them a couple more games than people expect, but I think that's actually going to come in 2020 once they're able to get a little bit more talent through this draft and then whomever they take in the you know 2020 draft at quarterback allow him to sit that one more final year um, with, uh, with Ryan Fitzpatrick to kind of mentor them before they give him the reins. I think that's the year the Dolphins could take a, a crazy leap forward and all of a sudden Ryan Fitzpatrick shows that magic again and everybody's like, oh, he's finally good and we'll see if maybe he gets one more big contract before he he's finally out of the nfl all right so that will do it for the afc east guys thank you so much for listening again rate review subscribe the podcast we appreciate it we will be back soon with another special guest to talk about the afc west i'm looking forward to that a a longtime friend and editor for both of us actually at the fla blog Uh, so it'll be interesting to get him on here with us and talk about that and that will do it for our division breakdowns we will then go full into the 2019 draft we've already got a couple guests lined up to do all kinds of mock drafts and everything like that it's going to be full-on rookie talk from this point forward going into the nfl draft Uh, and then once that happens we'll recap and we'll start previewing everything for 2019 looking again at at teams dynasty uh, guys the stash and everything so looking forward to that stuff before we get out of here though dennis as always let us know where we can find you on twitter and anything you've got coming up that you want us to check out well first i'd like to say thanks to steve at the Bills guys on Twitter for coming on and talking AFC East with us. And then uh, me, I'm at culture underscore coach on Twitter. Uh, Still working on finishing up some articles, getting ready to go on spring break with the kids. So I'm going to pound out some writing while I'm on uh, taking a few days off of work. Uh, Can always be found on uh, this podcast with uh, you, my uh, spectacular co-host who makes me look good. (laughs) Well, I appreciate that. I think I think we make each other look good. We're we're a good pair. And I again, same thing. I appreciate Steve for coming on, uh, talking AFC East with us. It's always it's always nice to have someone who's uh, in the division and knows the division well come on and, and give us some insight, some things that we may not uh, always see there. So appreciate you coming on uh, and looking forward to talking to you again about the AFC West with uh, with Mr. Matthew Fox. So look forward to talking to you then. Have a good weekend. Right on. Prepare for glory. I don't know if you got your pop on Who can make a play?